Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. You honor us by listening in, and we're grateful for you. Um, Before we begin, I just want to encourage you to not let this podcast replace the local church in your life. God has designed it so that we are to join a local church and serve that body of believers and be shepherded by the pastor of that church. And that's something no podcast can give you. And so if you're not involved in a local church, let me encourage you to find one as soon as possible. Enjoy our podcast. Listen to what Jesus says, starting in verse 18 of chapter 15. 
If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the, world, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things that they will do to you on account of my they will do it to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. They will do these things because they have not known the Father, nor known me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. The world hates Christians. It's not a new phenomenon. That that's been the case all throughout history. I say that because about the last 150 years in, in American culture, that has been a weird, um, a, a weird thing that is not the normal thing, that the culture doesn't hate the church. Usually the culture hates the church. You go all the way back to the early church with the persecution that happened. Then. Emperor Nero in the Roman Empire, a nasty emperor, he would take Christians out of churches, tie them to posts, raise them up, light them on fire, and basically use them as street lights for the city of Rome. That, that's what he would do to the people who followed Jesus. You jump on to the 1500s at the, at the Reformation. The Catholic Church has distorted Christianity so much, the Reformers began to bring it back to the truth. Many of them were killed for that. William Tyndale was burned at the stake by the church for translating the Bible into English so people could read it. A man was killed by the church for making the Bible accessible to people. Think about that for a second. Or you think about the modern missions movement, the missions that have taken place over the past 100 years more people have been killed for being a Christian in the world since 1900 than all the years before combined. That is, 0, well, 1 AD to 1900 AD. More Christians were killed 1901 to 2021 than all 1900 of those, those years combined. What do you think about today? You know, there was a time maybe 100 years ago when pastors would have had a hard time preaching the passage that I just read to you. Because in America, that was not the story of Christians. It wasn't. But over the last 100 years, the church and the culture have separated in America. It's not just the result of the last year with all the culture shift that has happened during COVID. Um, I think back to my junior year of high school, and my uh, teacher, I, I don't really know what this had to do with English in her English class, but um, she had us make this video. And so we got this really big whiteboard, and we get to pick three words, and we would write on the whiteboard. And there'd be a video made of us holding that whiteboard. It was whatever words we wanted to say. 
And then we filmed them all, we spliced them together, and it broadcasted to the whole school on the TVs in the classroom. So everybody came up with their favorite sayings. One guy said one more year, because he only had one more year of high school. You know, just different things like that. Um, I was early in my faith at that point. I was pretty legalistic in, in how I understood the Christian faith. So I wrote, obey his commandments. Today I probably would put something like Jesus is Lord, but back then I put obey his commandments. And in my video, I held it up on my shoulder like I was Moses. I thought I was cool apparently, but I, I held it up on my shoulder. When they were broadcasting this to the school, and I'm sitting over here in class watching it, and when it comes to my clip, I hear this guy over on the other end of the classroom. I don't even know if he knew I was in the class, but I hear him go, what an idiot. That wasn't 2020, that was 2009. Okay, there's been a mocking of Christianity that's gone back farther than you remember. You know, I love movies, but one thing you notice if you watch enough movies, even going back to the 80s or before, Christians are always pictured as nut jobs and psychopaths in movies. It, it, it's, it, especially ministers. They're, they're crazy in movies. Um, I, I can think of maybe three movies I've ever seen where Christians are, are seen as good characters. If you've seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge, it's a war movie. Main character is a Seventh-day Adventist. He goes in and rescues people in war because his faith does not allow him to kill people. That's a movie where a Christian is pictured well. Most of the time, they're the crazy people in movies. That's been the case for decades. It certainly feels like it's amped up in the past couple of years, but my guess is if you ask Christians in the 90s, if they felt like um, mocking of the church was advancing, they would have said, yeah, it feels like it heavily. You may not think that now, um, because you look back at the 90s with rose-colored glasses. You know, I don't think it's such a bad thing that Christians are being put on the outside. Because historically, Christianity always thrives and grows under persecution. Christianity always, it does not die away and, and fall away when persecution amps up. It's stronger. The church builds up and becomes stronger. You know, um, it, it, if it keeps growing at the rate that it is, in 2030, there will be more Christians in China than any other country in the world. And the Communist Party of China is very alarmed by this. Why? Well, because communism is based out of atheism, not Christianity. They're really worried that if Christians take over the country, they're out. In 10 years, that could be the case in China. So there's major persecution against the church. Kill all these people to prevent that from happening. The more and more Christianity is put on the outside in America, the stronger it will be. The stronger it will be. Why does the world hate Christians so much? Well, I think we get three reasons in this passage. First of all, verses 18 and 20. The world hates us because we're in Christ. But it, it hates us because we are in Christ. They hated Christ first. They will hate his people too. Christ was hated. Christ was persecuted. He was God in the flesh, and they rejected him. We've seen it in John time and time again. They had continually tried to kill him, but they were always unsuccessful because his hour had not yet come. He always makes it out alive. Coming up in the next few chapters, as we're going to see between now and Easter Sunday, he's going to be arrested by them. He's going to be falsely tried before them. He's going to be flogged. A very terrible thing was flogging. Um, just shredded his back to pieces with a whip. They're going to put a crown of thorns on his head. Blood's going to run down his face. And he's going to be crucified. You study crucifixion historically, worst way to die in the history of humanity. Just the worst 
way. Much more gory than, than some Bible movie that you've seen where Jesus is standing there like he's back taking a nap. Like, like it was a bad, bad way to die. And as he says in verse 20, a servant is not above his master. A servant's not greater than his master. If, if Jesus got that treatment, what do you expect you should get? 2 Timothy 3.12, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not might be, will be. They hate us because we're in Christ. Verse 19, they hate us because we're, we don't belong to the world. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. If, if we were part of the world, they'd love us. That this, this world likes to celebrate that they're all one big family. Have you noticed? That they applaud anybody who stands up and calls for unity of all religions or governments or gender or about 10 million other things. They do that. Um, not that we don't want equal treatment for all people, but differences are not a bad thing. God created diversity to, to display the, the beauty of his glory, to show how awesome he is. We try to take those differences away and we destroy his beauty in them. But in that call for unity among the world, they leave out one group, don't they? Biblically-minded Christians. If you will refuse to speak on biblical truth, you will be liked by society as a Christian. Uh, there was a famous pastor on The View. That sounds like the first line of a joke, but, but there was a famous pastor on The View. Uh, as you know, The View, I think it's four women, all very liberal, all very anti-church. Uh, and this famous pastor was on there, and they asked him if he believed abortion was sinful. And rather than answer the question, this is what he said. I just I want to tell people about Jesus first and then learn their story. He continued on and on and on, and he all but said that it was not sinful. He never directly said that, but you can read between the lines. Um, I don't want to discount the immense pain that women face when they have abortions. We all can picture it as just selfish women who don't want to take responsibility, and that's some... But very often it's women who, uh, for whatever reason, think they have no option forward. You know, maybe their dad told them, you know, if you come home pregnant, you'll never have a home here again. Man, we can do better than that. We can do better than that. That doesn't make it right, but we should seek to understand them and help them and not just condemn them. But this pastor refused to answer the question. Why? Because he would have been seen as uncool in society, and these women would have pounced on him like tigers. Tell people about Jesus. I just want to tell people about Jesus. What about the Jesus that says if you cause a little one to stumble, you should have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the sea? What about that Jesus? Because that's Jesus of the Bible. We don't belong to this world. That's why they hate us. We were once part of this world, but when Christ saved us, we were transferred out of it. Colossians 1.13, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. We belong to a new family, and it's not the world. It's the church. That's why it's so terrible when churches fight with one another over stupid things like carpet colors or music styles. Or even big things. Just get over yourself. Love each other. Why? Because where else are you going to go? Where else are you going to go? The world hates you. you got no other home in this world. The church is all you've got. So love one another. Notice this passage comes right after 12 through 17. What's the... Verses 12 through 17. What's the main thing in 12 through 17? Love one another. 
Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Love one another. Why? Because the world hates you. Where else are you going to go? They hate us because we're in Christ. They hate us because we uh, do not belong to them. Third, verses 22 through 24, they hate us because they will not repent. They will not repent. If I had not come and spoke to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. That's verse 22 and 23. They hate Jesus and they hate his people because they love their sin. Sinners love to sin. You should know. You are one, you are one of them. I'm one of them. Sinners love to sin. When I'm mad at someone, it feels really good to just sin in my madness. Why? Because they deserve it. They wronged me. I know I should get over it and forgive them, but it just feels so good to burn with wrath toward that person, doesn't it? Sinners hate Christians and hate Christ because we call them to repent and turn from their sin, the sin that they love. When I was younger, I did a lot of ministry among atheists. Um, and we would discuss, we discussed their argument, my argument, and they had decent arguments. They weren't morons. I mean, they, they had good arguments for their case. Um, but arguments for the existence of God are always more credible in the end than, than arguments against it. Because, frankly, something had to start the universe, right? You can say Big Bang was the beginning. What caused the Big Bang, though? You know, they, they always say, well, there was nothing before the Big Bang. And it exploded. Nothing can explode. It's nothing. It, it, it might have been that, but something had to exist to, to make it happen. As I've spoken with a lot of atheists, I came away seeing that ultimately they would not believe because they loved their sin, not because their argument actually held up. That doesn't mean they love their sex, drugs, and rock and roll. There's a lot of atheists who are more moral people than Christians. But the fact is, they want how they see the world to remain as it is, rather than how God sees it. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world has blinded the mind of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Romans 1, 18-20 says the existence of God is plain. Look at creation, but people suppress that knowledge with unrighteousness. They suppress it with sin. They hate us because they love their sin. Verse 25, they've got no, um, that they hated me without a cause. They've got no real cause to hate us. They hate us because of their sin. So what do we do? What do we do? Because nobody wants to be hated, as we've already said. Nobody wants people to think badly of them. So what do we do since we are hated by the world? Well, look at what God gives us in verse 26 and 27. The helper, the spirit of truth. He's going to come. He's going to proceed from the Father. He will bear witness about me. The logical thing would do to do would be Run from the world. Run from it. Go outside the world. Start your own little community. Never interact with the world. You know, if they're going to hate us, let us do nothing to make them hate us. But Jesus didn't do that, remember? If you live for Jesus, you will, you will be persecuted. Jesus will pray for his disciples in chapter 17. We'll look at that in a couple weeks. Verse 15 of chapter 17. You probably just have to look over the next page. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. I don't want you to take them out of the world. Don't put them off in a monastery, Father, where they never interact with sinners. No, just 
keep them from the evil one while they're in the world. We do not leave the world. We live as children of light amidst the dark world. We do that. And God helps us as we face hatred. That's why the Holy Spirit's called the helper. Verse 26, he's the helper. You know, the Holy Spirit's very unknown to a lot of Christians. Um, Baptist churches rarely talk about him. Pentecostal churches only talk about him, right? When we talk about the Father, the Son, and the Bible, that's our trinity. The Pentecostal churches, um, trinity is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit. Neither one of those are right. It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Next week we're going to talk more about who the Holy Spirit is. The two things that we see from this passage, the Holy Spirit is the helper. Why? Because when you're hated, you need help to get through it. You need help to get through that. It's discouraging. It's heartbreaking. It goes against our survival instincts to face the hatred of the world. The Holy Spirit is your comforter and your helper when you're hated by the world. I actually said two things, three things. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. That's, that's verse 26 as well. It's the spirit of truth. It's important. Because if you have the spirit of truth living inside of you, you know Jesus. You will be tempted, though, to abandon truth when you're hated for believing it because it hurts too much. It hurts too much. I, it's not worth it. I'll just decide that I just not speak about truth and I'll be accepted by the world. You need the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, to help you hold fast to truth. Without Him, you will deny it. You will. And finally, the Holy Spirit bears witness. Bears witness. That's verse 26 as well. The Holy Spirit bears witness. That's one of the primary jobs of the Holy Spirit, to bear witness. It's not to make you pass out on the floor. It's not to make you do the stanky leg. Like it, it's simply to bear witness. Bear witness, John 16, 14, probably next page or maybe same page. The Holy Spirit will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit's job is to glorify Jesus through talking about him. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So the best way we can live by the Spirit is to talk about Jesus, even when we're hated for. Holy Spirit bears witness about me, he says, and then verse 27, and you also will bear witness about me. You will do it as well. When we talk about Jesus, we tell others about Jesus, we do all this through the Spirit at work within us. We, If you're not talking about Jesus to those around you, the Spirit's not working in you, because that's what the Spirit does. You know, I'm not good at thinking on my feet. I'm really bad at it. Um, I'm one of those people that when somebody says something to me that's argumentative, I kind of freeze up. Like, what am I supposed to say to that? I just kind of sit there and stare at them. And then 30 minutes later, I'm driving home, and I think, this is what I should have said, and I talk through the entire response that I should have said to that person. At that point, it's too late, but that, that's just how I operate. I need time to process. Um, in moments where we face the hatred from the world, um, we keep talking about Jesus. The Holy Spirit gives us what to say in those moments. Matthew 10, 19. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. If, if you really need to respond when somebody says something argumentative to you, the Holy Spirit will give it to you. You don't have to worry about freezing up like I do so often. Because the 
because the Holy Spirit bears witness through you. Chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. What do we do? Jesus says in verse 4, I've told you this before. Um, I told, let me see the verse exactly. Um, I told you, I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. So Jesus finally reveals this to them. Why? Because he's about to leave them and they need to know. What do you do when, when you encounter the hatred of the world? Well, look at what he says the world will do. They'll put you out of the synagogues, verse 2. They'll put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think that he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. Well, first of all, they will shun us. That's what they will do. They will put you out of the synagogues. That would have been the, the, the most terrible thing to happen to somebody in that day. They will be put out of the synagogues. This may be a classmate at school puts you out of a group. Maybe a coworker um, decides, hey, we're not going to include that person in our lunch gathering anymore. We're going to go and eat over here. He's going to be stuck over there eating by himself. Maybe family members that just kind of shun you and don't talk to you. Could be any other group. They will look down their noses at you, and they will not associate with you because of your faith. They will shun you, but also they will persecute you. Verse, that's still in verse 2. The hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering service to God. He's doing a holy thing to kill Christians. That's what they're going to think. I think of Saul of Tarsus. He's going to be active just a few years after this happened. Saul of Tarsus. That they bring Stephen in. They stone Stephen to death. And Saul is standing right there saying, good job, man. Let's go find another one. They go find more. He hunts Christians. He delivers them over to death. He makes a sport out of capturing and killing Christians. What happens to him? He is radically transformed by Jesus. He's on his way to arrest Christians and kill them. Jesus appears in the clouds, kicks him off his horse, and says, Why are you persecuting me? You think you're serving God. You're persecuting God. Why are you doing this? Oh, that that would happen to, our hate, to, to, to the haters of the church today. To our persecutors. That, that's what we pray for. That's the longing of our heart. Maybe it's a mean-spirited boss. Maybe it's some anti-Christian politician. The family members that treat us badly. The classmate we seem to have so that, that's so dark in how they see the world. Maybe it's the women of the view. Like, like, look, we want them to be saved. We want them to be transformed like Paul was transformed. Lord, do that among them. We pray, Lord, save them. When they do this to us, what do we do to them? Well, Luke 16, Luke chapter 6, verse 27. We love our enemies. We love them. We pray for our persecutors. We show compassion to them. We do good to them. You know, I stand up here every Sunday and I pray. Um, I pray for a different category today, but, but I usually pray for an elected leader. And often there are people that you probably don't like that I pray for some of you. You know, I pray for Joe Biden. I pray for Kamala Harris, for Nancy Pelosi. Not because I endorse them, but because I'm called to do that. First Timothy 2. I'm called to pray for those in power. I want them to be saved. I want them to be transformed. And I want Christians around the world to be praying for them. I'm going to lead the way in them. The, the temptation, though, will be to not do those things. To not love our enemies. To do evil to them because they deserve it. That's what they think. Like, imagine if the early Christians had done that to Saul of Tarsus. 
Saul of Tarsus is coming in and, and dragging off our friends and killing them. Uh, he's killing all of our friends. Let's get our guns and go after him. Imagine if they had done that. We wouldn't have Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, or Philemon. We wouldn't have any of those in the Bible if the early Christians had done that. Because God took Saul of Tarsus, the enemy of the church, transformed him, and used him. We don't have record of what they did, but hopefully they didn't try to kill him. Jesus didn't do that. He came to Saul, forgave him, and used him. Listen, we don't belittle people that are against us. We don't do that. We don't share memes on Facebook while annoying them. We pray for their salvation and for their good. We do good to them as any opportunity arises. We bear witness to them. We never give up on them. One of my favorite quotes from, from Charles Spurgeon, listen to it. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, and let no one go unwarned and unprayed for. Oh, let that be our heart for those who hate us. Let that be our heart. Love our enemies, bear witness to them, and hold fast. Do not fall away. Jesus says these things to us, so verse 1, 16, 1, keep us from falling away. Do not fall away when it gets tough. It will be the temptation to do so. Following Jesus is not for whims. You must hold fast and not fall away. What are you going to do when your day of facing the hatred of Jesus? Be sure it will happen in your lifetime for someone. You, you hopefully will never have to stand trial for it. You'll hopefully never be in prison for it. But you will face shunning from somebody because of your faith. You will meet enough people. You know, pastors a hundred years ago might have preached this passage as just something that's going to happen in the future. I don't have that luxury. You will be hated for being a Christian. You will. Will you hold fast? Or will you deny him to save your own skin? Please hold fast. Do not deny him. Do not leave him. Those people really can't do that much to you. They can't do that much. Remember what Jesus said. Do not fear them who can destroy the body. Fear him who can destroy both body and soul and health. The worst somebody can do to you is kill you and send you to heaven. That's it. Commit to hold fast and commit to love your enemies. That's what Christ did. That's what we do. Christ was hated by the world. You will be hated too. But Christ also loved the world. So love the world too. Father, I know it's on a lot of our minds. It's on our mind daily as I see what's going on in the world that times are changing. Lord, that we may see a, a bigger opposition to the church in our day, or our grandkids might, but, but at some point it's probably going to be the case. Lord, I pray that you grow the church during that. We know that you do not let the church be destroyed in the face of opposition. You 
the Lord do that? Start it with our church? Strengthen our church? Lord, Lord, prepare us for that day if it ever comes. But Lord, whether it comes through government-enforced opposition, it's going to come through people we interact with. People are going to oppose us for our beliefs, for our faith, for the convictions we hold to. Oh Lord, help us to not fall away when that happens. And help us to love those who oppose us. Because that is what Jesus did. He hung on the cross and he cried out, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Lord, would you give us that same heart for the people who hate us. May we never hate back. May we love. Oh Lord, help us. I would, um, I would never tell you following Jesus is easy. It's not, but it's worth it. So if you've never followed Jesus, let's talk about that. Come up to the front and talk to me. Or talk to me at the door. Um, Caleb, what song are you singing? 413. Turn your eyes to 